Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marsh Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. Today's topic is about testing the speed of your internet connection. And with me today, I have Brian Dar. He's the VP of Government Affairs over at UCLA, and he's calling in all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to talk about how UCLA helps us understand the performance of the Internet, and I want to welcome Brian to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you, Bert. I appreciate you having me. And thanks for uh, staying up a little late for uh, <clears throat> this participation on the show. Really appreciate it, and, and just have... Um, you know, we've uh, uh, opened up our, our uh, show to, to, to guests that can call in, and now I can do it from wherever they want to call in from. So uh, it's, it's good to have you call in from Nashville. So that's great. Now let's, let's start a little bit with uh, uh, a little bit of history. So I think a lot of people kind of already know how to do a speed test, uh, and they might know that it's uh, provided by a company called Ookla. Now, it's a funny name. So where did that name originally come from? It, it is a funny name. We get that question a lot. <laughs> um, when our founder was a kid, he was a fan of an animated show called Fundar the Barbarian. So just go ahead and laugh now. Okay, okay? Fundar. Now, I know Conan the Barbarian, but not Fundar. Yeah, it, it was a, an animated kid's show. Okay. And he, he named their family Cat after various characters on the show. Mm-hmm. One of those was called Ookla. Mm-hmm. And when he was older, during the dot-com boom, he registered the URLs for each of these pet names just on a lark. Mm-hmm. Well, but the company was founded in 2006. They needed a distinct name and web address, and so Ookla just sort of stood out. And that's so that we have the cat as sort of our unofficial mascot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it certainly stuck, and, and I think it's a, a well-recognized name. Now, you know, back in 2006, was there something that really drove the need for uh, an application like this? I mean, oftentimes, you know, these uh, tech startups, they probably have a, a, a different, let's say, um, priority or idea for setting up, a, you know, an application. Was, was creating a speed test the first thing that you wanted to do? And, and, and congratulations, since it's the same, you know, it's, it's continued throughout the, uh, throughout the years. But... What was the motivation back at back in those days? It, it has been astonishingly successful, but it really started out as a project inside of an Internet service provider. They just needed a better way to test and measure throughput and latency on their network. Mm-hmm. The original application was showcased at a conference and received such a, a unbelievable reception from other ISPs that they decided to spin it out as a separate company. So this started so this started inside an ISP was it was it part of a an ISP project and and when you say spun it out did the did they pretty much kind of give you give give uh, the founder the ability to start his own company based on uh, this project They did they did I mean clearly they they had access to you know a lot of information that was being collected because that's what they were looking for. They needed to better understand what their own network was doing, mm-hmm, how it was mm-hmm. behaving. And um, uh, the founders of, of Ookla um, were, were part of that company and, and got permission to, to take the project out and set it up as a startup. Now, you know, for our, our, our listeners, and we've been doing this for a while, so, you know, from a technical standpoint, can you help 
our uh, maybe maybe help the understanding of what is it that actually happens when somebody clicks on speedtest.net. I mean, and, and actually launches the speed test. Yeah, so there's there's several ways to take a speed test. First of all, you can go you can do it on the web. Mm-hmm. Now you've got applications for uh, for uh, Apple devices uh, and for Android devices both, and they're on, they're in the app stores. They're free. Anybody mm-hmm. can download them for free. We even have a desktop application for uh, app for Mac for Windows and a Chrome extension. So there's a m- number of different ways you can do it, but they all run off same basic platform. Mm-hmm. And so when you click on that go button, there's a little bit of an animation that takes place initially. And what that's actually doing is it's pinging the closest servers nearby. It goes out and looks for the 10 closest servers and basically says, who's ready to do a test? Okay. So once the server is selected, then chunks of data are pushed through the connection from the server to the user's device and it ramps up until it features until it reaches full saturation. Mm-hmm. This, this is the download speed mm-hmm. part measured in megabits per second, right? So once that part of the test is finished, then the process is reversed with the user's device pushing data back to the server to measure the upload speed. Now that that initial ping to determine which server is best to use for the test it actually starts the latency part of the test, which me- which is measured in milliseconds. How fast can the data get out to the server and then back to the device? And additional pings are sent all the way through the other testing, looking for the fastest ping, but also looking in the variability of those pings, and that's called jitter. Mm-hmm. Most people ask, you know, when you say the word jitter, they have no idea what it means, but it's related to latency, and it it, it t- it's very critical for uh, for things like gaming and uh, things like video conferencing, things where you've, uh, applications where you've really got to have a lot of very good back and forth mm-hmm. uh, information happening very quickly that the human brain could notice if it was off of that. Now, you, you brought up a, an interesting point. So when you launch the application, you hit go, mm-hmm. And it starts to uh, send, uh, let's say, a request to a server. I'm curious: in Hawaii, would would it naturally select a server that's located in Hawaii, or would it locate a serv- server somewhere uh, on the continent, uh, let's say, in California? It's almost certainly going to select a server in Hawaii. Um, there are you do have the ability, however, to manually select a server. Mm-hmm. You can be you can be sitting in Honolulu, and you can select a server in Tokyo mm-hmm. or Rio or London. Um, you, most people don't do that, and we don't count those tests when we're looking at measuring speeds that an ISP delivers because it's been intentionally rerouted. Um, but you can to satisfy your own curiosity. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that it would, it would naturally kind of default to a server that's in, in Hawaii? Uh, because of its proximity? I, the vast majority of times it would, yes. And so... Um, unless those servers are too busy to actually um, perform a test. Right, right, right. And, and you know, I, I, I do actually want you to talk a little bit about what would be the perceived 
uh, difference between getting a response off of a Hawaii-based UCLA server versus one that's located on the West Coast because that will take into consideration the the Trans-Pacific uh, Fiber Cable. But but before we go into that, I want to have you hold that thought. We'll be right back to this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Brian Dar, VP of Government Affairs over at UCLA. And of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Chaminade University. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about measuring the speed of the Internet. And we've got uh, Brian Dar all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, calling in. He's the uh, VP of Government Affairs over at UCLA. And those are the folks that uh, created the now famous uh, speedtest.net site as well as a whole bunch of native applications. And, of course, right before the break, we were kind of unpacking what happens when you actually do the speed test and you are, you know, are on your, uh, let's say, smartphone or you're on your laptop and you go to the website, you hit go, and, and what happens? Now, Brian, you were explaining that uh, it could hit a server in Hawaii, a, an UCLA server in Hawaii, and then you're really giving the, the response and stats on uh, download, upload, you know, things like uh, latency and jitter from that server that's in Hawaii. And what would you what would you characterize the difference between a response to that server, which obviously obviously should be faster than one that might be located on the west coast? It, we have from the beginning thought it was extraordinarily important to be able to measure how individual ISPs can actually perform. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about being able to trans transverse the entire planet, okay, on on a network. Mm-hmm. It, it is important to understand what's local versus what is maybe coming from a distance. So if you think about loading a page, say from a news website, from CNN.com, mm-hmm. then you can end up with most of the content, the stories that might may, may be hosted on a single server specifically for that company. But a lot of the ads that are going to pop up within that page may be coming from a whole variety of different places. And so it is important to understand what's local and how the local ISP is performing versus what's happening elsewhere on the Internet. That's why we've got over 16,000 servers scattered around the globe. About 1,700 of those are in the United States. Mm-hmm. We're in every state. We're in every we, – we were talking um, the other day, Bert, about the – the Pacific Territories, we've got a server in Guam, we have a server in Northern Marianas. It's very important to us at UCLA that we be able to fairly represent what that local ISP can actually provide to their customers, as opposed to what might be impacting that service external to their control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, again, uh, getting a sort of true indication of the performance will be really hinging on your server that's that's uh, sitting in in the case of Hawaii we have two major ISPs one is uh, 
uh, charter slash uh, spectrum, and then we have Hawaiian Telecom. So I would I would assume that you have servers kind of located in their um, probably you know main ISP room, right? Yes, the, the ISPs themselves typically host the servers. We mm-hmm. do have universities and some other entities that that host servers as well. But it is usually ISPs around the world that are hosting these servers because they need a better understanding of what's happening on net, what's actually happening on their own network. So if they host a server, then they have access to the data that's being collected associated with this aggregated information from the variety of tests that are being taken. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, with the uh, amount of data that you're you're gathering, I mean, there's quite a bit of really great analysis that, that you could do. I mean, obviously, you could do the the uh, landline wired connections as well as uh, mobile connections. So uh, we just spoke about some of the, you know, the ISPs, but there are also the the, the wireless cell folks that uh, have access to the Internet. We're talking Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T. And I guess it's, it's a similar kind of situation. If you're doing your speed test with a, a mobile device, you're hitting a server probably somewhere on any of those cell carriers' uh, network and getting a performance response based on the, the, um, you know, the performance of the network uh, through the cell, cell network as well as through the fiber network. That's right. And it's important to keep in mind that as you are looking at, at your handset, that just because it says AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile up in the corner mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you're taking the test on. If you're connected via Wi-Fi, then you're actually taking, then you're actually testing the fixed network that you're connected to via Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. If you are, if you are on, if you are on the mobile network itself, then yes, you are testing AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile's network. What we do see is that there are more tests on fixed networks, and that's fairly common. What we have seen for for 10, 20 years, perhaps as far as data usage is concerned. And when people are mobile, they might be listening to music, they might be driving down the road using an application for navigation, but they're generally not doing really intensive things like downloading a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right, or or doing a Zoom call or something. Yeah, and it, it does happen. People do do it. We do see people taking speed tests while, we're, while they're driving. We do not advise it. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but but it does happen. But about eighty percent of data usage is indoors. Uh huh. It's in the home. It's it's in the office. It's in your coffee shop where you might go work for a morning or something. And and so, not too surprisingly, we see a similar break between the number of tests that we see on fixed networks versus the number of tests that we see on mobile networks. It very much aligns with how people use their devices. Now, tell me, Brian, you know, when you have a lot of people interested in the performance of their network, they're doing speed tests, whether it's on their laptop or on their mobile device, uh, what kinds of protections do you have as as a company, Ookla, in terms of the data and, and retaining the privacy of the users that are accessing that data or, or providing that data? We have a very strong privacy statement that is included in our applications. It's also included, you can get to it on speedtest.net as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take a test 
podcast or a browser. We have done business all over the world, and we had to particularly get um, make sure that we were aligned properly with the privacy issues when GDPR uh, rules went into place in Europe back in 2018. Mm-hmm. You also had the uh, California Consumer Privacy Act that went into place a couple of years ago. And it's very, very much like GDPR. We do not collect personal information such as name, mobile number, email address off of anyone's test. We collect the download speeds. They are anonymized, the upload speeds, the latencies. We do collect some interesting information that's helpful to our our telecom uh, customers, such as, is this particular type of equipment performing better than this other type of equipment? We can tell if it's a Samsung device or an Apple device mm-hmm. or another brand. But we we fully anonymize that from the standpoint of the individual. Even when we're trying to, when when we're able to capture a location on it, we make the location fuzzy so that it cannot identify a particular household. Mm-hmm. We're very 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 careful about exactly what we're collecting. And then ultimately what we make available to the companies that can benefit from this data to make your Internet better and faster. Well, you know, that's that's uh, great to hear. And, you know, I think uh, that's why, you know, Ookla continues to be a, a really um, very popular application. Now, I, I do want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about what some of the states that you're working with uh, use the data to help better understand where are some of these communities that are unserved or underserved. So uh, we're going to kind of hold that thought again, and we'll take a little, another little short break. But when we be, uh, come back, of course, we'll be talking to Brian Dar. He's the VP of Government Affairs over at UCLA. We're talking about doing a speed test and measuring the performance of the Internet. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And of course, uh, we're right here on HPR One. And if you're joining us, uh, we're talking to Brian Dar, VP of Govern- Government Affairs at UCLA. And uh, those are the folks that uh, created the speedtest.net. And right before the break, we're talking about privacy and, and uh, protection of your personal information. And what I am I'm also curious about, Brian, is, you know, with so many people being able to take these tests, uh, and, and, of course, the assumption is that if you're taking a test, you're on the Internet. So you probably will be um, served in some manner. But from a from a federal government definition of unserved and underserved, so so what the federal government has defined as unserved is anybody that's getting twenty five meg down and three up, and then underserved is a hundred meg down and twenty up. So Brian, what is it that some of the states that you work with, how do they use the data to better? Uh, let's say, identify communities that are underserved as well as unserved? So we've got a really once-in-a-generation opportunity with some significant funding that came out of of Washington um, a little over a year ago that is going to provide 
infrastructure build out to areas that need better service or need service and don't have it at all. Um, there was a map that was built by the FCC that was meant to catalog two things. Mm-hmm. First, every residential building in the country, and they refer to them as, and I know you know this, Bert, broadband serviceable locations. Mm-hmm. Right. Where, are, where do those exist? How many are there? And second, define what, what each Internet service provider offers as a maximum advertised speed at every single one of those individual addresses. And that information is self-reported by the providers. Now, you would think the government would have a pretty good handle on where everybody lives. <laughs> that's that's a, bit, a bit more difficult than expected. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of disagreement over that. Um, imagine a big farm might have a main house, a farm manager's house, and a bunkhouse, but it's all the same address. You know, identifying those on a satellite photo separate from the barn is not necessarily easy. But where Ookla plays a role is in identifying where the service that is being reported as available isn't what people are actually experiencing. So large areas of the country, mostly rural, have been defined as ineligible for funding because a single provider in the area is claiming to offer something that they can't at least consistently deliver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, And so... What our data does is, is, first and foremost, it can prove where broadband does exist because we see these tests that are gig speed type of, of tests. We can actually measure up to 10 gigabytes on our on our speed test network. Mm-hmm. So, so very, extraordinarily fast and, and far beyond what most people can, can get today. And so we, we play that role uh, by, by collecting all this information together and aggregating it and mapping it, we can actually show where where people are getting fast tests and where they're getting slow tests. Now, that it is important to keep in mind that people are only going to see the level of service to which they have subscribed. So if you've got a 250 megabit plan in your area, but you only subscribe to a 50 megabit plan, well, 50 megabits is all you're going to see. But we do see, even in low-income areas, at least a a small percentage of people picking a higher-speed plan, the highest-speed plan. Mm -hmm. And so what is fairly clear is that if we've got a significant number of tests in a community, in a neighborhood, and you see nothing that actually meets those minimum broadband thresholds, you mentioned a moment ago, Bert, mm-hmm. 25 down and three up for any, anything below that is underserved. Between that and 100 down and 20 up is is, is underserved, mm-hmm. right, as opposed to unserved. So that's the that's kind of the key. We can map those, and we can we can just ask what are the fastest tests that we're seeing in a neighborhood, and you can look at what's being claimed by the operator, and they say, well, we offer 50 down and 10 up but we don't see anything that exceeds 23 down you know, and, and two and a half up or something like that. It becomes very obvious on the map. And so states, to answer your question, mm-hmm. are utilizing this data to ultimately define where they want to direct this funding, their share of the federal funding for broadband investment. And by identifying the areas where people aren't experiencing what is expected, they can 
challenge those areas. Mm-hmm. We go to the ISPs and say, you know, what's going on here, guy? Yeah. <laughs> you, you claim that there's, you know, that you're offering these faster speeds in these areas, but we're not seeing anyone who can actually experience that. And, and there's quite a bit of that that has gone on. There's, there's millions of addresses across the United States that don't get service. Everybody agrees on that. But how many millions, there's a large disagreement on. Well, that's, that's well said, and, and I think uh, we will encourage folks to do speed tests across the state. Now, Brian, you know, you've been collecting quite a bit of data, and obviously the devastating fires on Maui have, have really put a lot of attention on what's happening with connectivity uh, in the Lahaina area. And what are, what are some of the, the stats that you're seeing uh, as a result of the impact of the fires and, and the ability to try to provide some form of, of connection in that West Maui area? Yeah, so for scale, let me give you a little bit of an idea. We, we see about 18 million speed tests a day globally. We saw in Hawaii for the last full calendar year 959,000 and change. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2023, as of yesterday, we had seen 611,000 and change across the, uh, across Hawaii. So when you go to a smaller community, clearly you're going to have a smaller number of tests. But for the first half of 2023 in Lahaina, we saw an average of 215 tests per month on fixed networks. We averaged only we averaged only one of those tests per month on Starlink mm-hmm. for a reason. Immediately after the fire, not surprisingly, on August 9th and 10th, we saw no tests at all from the hunt. Lahaina area, none. Mm-hmm. However, the following two weeks, we saw a hundred tests on Starlink and only five on other fixed providers. So that is a strong indication of exactly what was going on there. And the week of August 14th through 20th, on the mobile networks, we saw 253 speed test measurements. Half of them, 127 were actually on the first net first responder network. So clearly you know we're, we're the activity that we're seeing is the res- is the response to the disaster um, and the need for connectivity as people are trying to establish um, that internet connection where they can communicate with outside assistance. You know we did uh, have a show uh, a couple weeks ago and kind of updated folks on, on the situation with some of the ISPs and their ability to get the networks back up. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it is uh, a challenge uh, for the, the incumbents. And the alternative of getting connectivity through Starlink really, really took off as, you, as the data reveals. And, and uh, we actually had some folks uh, on the ground that were a part of that. In fact, uh, you know, putting Starlink on, on trucks and actually jer- jerry-rigging a, you know, a, a rooftop, you know, Starlink connection. So uh, your data does absolutely uh, bear that out. It, it does reflect exactly what, what's happening here right now. Well, you know, uh, Brian, this has been fascinating. I, 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 I'm just really thankful that you are able to join us and, and share some of the, you know, behind-the-scenes uh, look at the data. Uh, where can people go to find out more about uh, UCLA and, and perhaps all the speed test options that they might have? 
Yes. Uh, so there's several different ways, as I mentioned before, that you can take a speed test. You can download the apps from the Apple App Store. You can download the app uh, for your Android device. Uh, you can also go to speedtest.net in your browser. Well, that's... We'll, we even have desktop applications. We'll definitely put that up on our show notes. Brian Dar is the VP of Government Affairs over at UCLA. And mahalo, Brian, for joining us today. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about how Starlink provided connectivity on Maui, as Brian has uh, revealed. If you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app or your favorite podcast application. You stay safe. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Mark Cafe.